This message comes from Zussel sponsor, STAND, Students Taking Action Against Discrimination, a law student-led organization empowering students to stand together so that discrimination can fall. Learn more about STAND by following them on Instagram at STANDSocial. Just in case you are new here, I am Nia Senior, and this is Navigating with Nia from Zussel, where each week we dive into and navigate different civil and human rights topics. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the Thurgood Marshall Civil Rights Center, whose vision is to help build a world where civil rights, human rights, freedom, and equal justice under law flourishes for all people who have historically suffered oppression or subordination on the grounds of difference. SROs, zero tolerance, expulsions, disparate impact, the school to prison pipeline. So on this week's episode, we explore what the school to prison pipeline is, how the pipeline functions, the reason the pipeline started, and how we can disrupt or distract the pipeline. When you were a child or a teen, did you ever miss a homework assignment? Most of you, I'm sure, are saying to yourself, yes, or shaking your head. I know I am. Now, my next question is, could you imagine being sentenced to jail for failing to complete that homework assignment? Many of you, like myself, think, oh, that's absurd. Well, this is the reality for a 15-year-old Black girl in Pontiac, Michigan, who was being called Grace to hide her identity. Grace was put on probation in April for the assault of her mother and for the theft of another student's property. One of the terms of Grace's probation was that she completed all of her homework assignments. But when the COVID-19 pandemic hit and her school switched to online learning, Grace had difficulties adjusting to the new online learning setting. Like many of her other classmates, it was hard for her to complete her work. But especially for Grace, having ADHD was difficult to complete her work. But instead of, like other students, giving the opportunity to make up work and or a chance to adjust to the new learning style, Grace was sentenced to the Juvenile Detention Center in Oakland County. The harsh punishment that Grace received for failing to complete her homework assignments seems ridiculous. And not only seems ridiculous, is ridiculous. But through my research, I find that it's not uncommon and is the basis for the school to prison pipeline. The school to prison pipeline is a common metaphor used to describe the ways in which students are pushed out of the education system and into the juvenile and criminal justice systems through policies and practices within schools that involve law enforcement. Many of you are thinking, well, how does this pipeline work or where did it begin? So it works based on three factors, school exclusion, minority populations, and criminal justice tools. Let's begin to understand these factors by breaking them down by beginning with the criminal justice tools. The criminal justice tools consist of metal detectors and surveillance technology, and the most significant to me, importing police officers into schools, or what most people call as student resource officers, commonly referred to as SROs. To better understand why SROs or police officers in school is such an important piece to the school to prison pipeline, we must look at the history of how they got instituted and began. The origins of SROs begins with the infamous Supreme Court case. If you're a Howard student or Howard alum, you know this case especially well. If you haven't already guessed it, it's Brown versus Board of Education. The case where the Supreme Court held that segregation in schools was unconstitutional. 
This case, eventually, many years later, helped to lead to the integration of schools and ultimately the story of the Little Rock Nine. Little Rock Nine is where nine students entered an all-white high school. But the main idea comes that two months after Little Rock Nine starts school, a committee led by a county judge in New York City was formed to study juvenile justice in New York City. They suggested that New York City put cops in every school. The judge said, and I quote, there are in fact dangerous delinquents in our public schools, that they are in fact courting the school morale and they should be out. Otherwise, gangsters and disturbers will continue to run amok in our public schools. Now, this is important to note because the judge was talking about certain schools and the schools that he was talking about were those with black and brown students. The story of the Little Rock Nine and how that began the instituting of SROs or police officers in school not only helps to give us context, but it helps us to understand why they're there. And the purpose of them being there is to use law enforcement and education to control black children and prevent them from accessing education. After learning the purpose of SROs is to prevent black and minority students from obtaining access to education the question arose of how? How did they accomplish this? Well, the answer to this question is quite simple. It's through their presence. Statistics show that 47% of schools that have contact with SROs reported the attacks without deadly weapons to law enforcement versus schools that did not have contact with SROs only reported 19% of these incidences to law enforcement. This finding helps to support the idea that having an SRO makes it easier for situations to escalate from mere school violations to criminal offenses and lead to arrests. Some people would disagree with this idea or notion that having SROs or police officers lead to more arrests because the arrest rate of juveniles has decreased significantly since 1996. Although this is true, the overall arrests of juveniles have decreased significantly since 1996 to now, the arrests in school specifically have not necessarily decreased, but have potentially increased due to the presence of SROs. I could go on forever about how having police officers or SROs in schools is a bad idea, especially for minority children and children with disabilities, such as the lack of training, that having SROs or police officers in school makes school a prison-like setting, but we must move on to the other factors of the school to prison pipeline. The next factor we will consider in the school to prison pipeline is that of school exclusions. School exclusion includes suspensions, expulsion, disciplinary transfers, and zero tolerance disciplinary codes. Zero tolerance disciplinary policies were created to be punishment for violent offenses or offenses that include or included dangerous weapons and firearms. But over time, these zero tolerance policies have shifted to minor offenses, such as burping in class, drawing on a desk, and not turning in homework. The theory behind it is that if students are punished for small offenses, they are less likely to commit bigger offenses. This theory is similar to that of the broken windows theory, that if we fix broken windows or keep out the homeless, it will keep the neighborhood safe. But much like how that theory is ineffective or not helpful, so is the zero tolerance policies. They actually create long-term impacts on the students that are adverse. 
Here are some statistics that serve as examples of the long-term impacts of expulsions, suspensions, and zero-tolerance policies and help to justify why this is called the school-to-prison pipeline. Students that are expelled or suspended are 10 times more likely to drop out of school. 10% of male dropouts aged 16 to 24 end up incarcerated. 23% of students with disciplinary actions are in contact with the juvenile justice system. Students assigned to schools more strict are statistically more likely to be arrested and incarcerated as adults. The statistics of these long-term effects of the school exclusion policies on students are quite alarming. But when you look at this, the statistics of how it affects minority populations, it's even more alarming. This brings us into our third factor of the school-to-prison pipeline, minority populations, which goes to say that consequences are often disproportionately placed on minority and low-income populations, with poor students more likely to experience criminalized school discipline during elementary school, middle school, and high school. Now, to give you some statistic examples of those of minority students, Black children as a whole make up 15% of school enrollment, but 31% of suspensions. Black students are suspended or expelled three times more frequently than white students. Minority populations being the last of the three factors, we have successfully identified the three factors of the school to prison pipeline. To reiterate, the three factors are the criminal justice tools, which include using tools such as metal detectors, surveillance technology, and having police officers, also known as student resource officers, in schools to mirror a prison-like setting. Additionally, having the SROs or police officers in the schools help to escalate situations that would otherwise just be subject to school disciplinary codes, to arrest, or the involvement of law enforcement. Next is the school exclusion, which includes suspensions, expulsion, disciplinary transfers, and zero-tolerance disciplinary codes. This has long-term impacts on students, which include higher rates of dropping out, which show that students that drop out are more likely to be incarcerated as adults. This is based on the premise that punishing students harshly for minor offenses will encourage them to be less likely to commit bigger offenses. Lastly is the minority populations. And this says that consequences are often disproportionately placed on minority and low-income populations with poor students more likely to experience criminalized school discipline during elementary school, middle school, and high school. This is shown through the statistics that I stated earlier about how Black students are disproportionately affected when it comes to suspensions and other disciplinary actions in the school. Since we have established the three factors and how they work together to create the school-to-prison pipeline, we can say that we have successfully navigated this issue. So that only leaves one inquiry or one question left, and that is, how do we remedy this? What is the recommendation? What are the next steps that we can take to fix this issue? Well, I have a few thoughts on that that I want to share with you all, but also think about ideas that you would have about how this problem should be fixed. My first recommendation on how to remedy the school-to-prison pipeline is to get rid of SROs, police officers, or whatever the schools are calling them that they have in these schools. We have seen through Twitter videos, through news, 
incidents and stories that SROs are causing more harm than they are good. They are making school feel as though it is a prison environment. They are causing student arrest rates to go up and exposing students for minor offenses that otherwise would not be exposed to law enforcement to it, as well as exerting excessive force on students. Therefore, they should be removed. Also, they do not have the adequate or proper training to deal with students. Most of them do not require any training or special training to become an SRO. And there are many states in the United States that require no training at all. Naturally, as an abolitionist, my second recommendation would be to get rid of the zero tolerance policies. But let's just say for conversation's sake that I'm not for getting rid of the zero tolerance policies, but for amending them or making them more specific or more concrete. Because if schools outlined all of the specific offenses or harms or violations that constitute suspension or expulsion, this leaves less interpretation for teachers, administrative staff, and officers to deem minor offenses as being worthy of suspension and expulsion, which helps to decrease the school-to-prison pipeline because less students are getting expelled, less students are getting suspended, and are therefore less susceptible to being drop dropouts and or becoming incarcerated adults. My final recommendation is to educate people and the public about the school-to-prison pipeline. I know that seems super vague, but I read many articles and watched many YouTube videos and doing my research on the school-to-prison pipeline in which many people said that they didn't believe the school-to-prison pipeline was even a real thing, which seems preposterous after going through this whole podcast and learning all that we just learned about it. But there's many people who don't believe that it's real or see that it works. And if those that do believe it is real, there's also a large amount that believe that it is has no significant effect on today's students and that this is a thing of the past. So I say go out, educate, share this podcast and let people know about the school to prison pipeline so that we can disrupt it and eventually destruct it. Thank you for navigating the school to prison pipeline with me today. I would like to leave you with my thought-provoking question like I do every single week. This week's question is, if there was no integration of schools, would there have been SROs? And if there were no SROs, would there be a school-to-prison pipeline today? Please leave your responses to the question in the comments, send me an email, or reach out to me on social media. I look forward to seeing you all next week and navigating a new human and civil rights topic. I'm Nia Sr. and this is Navigating with Nia by Zussel.